more discussion about Facebook on the congressional hot seat, and remembering Steve Jobs 10 years later. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Mac Voices Magazine, our free magazine on Flipboard. Updated daily with the best articles on the web to help you do more with your Apple tech and beyond, Mac Voices Magazine content is available in the free Flipboard app, on the web, or in your favorite RSS reader. Visit macvoicesmagazine.com for details. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a three-part Mac Voices Live discussion. In part one, we started talking about the Facebook whistleblower, the congressional hearings, and why things might be a little bit different this time. That discussion continues in this part, part two, and we also take a look at Steve Jobs on the 10-year anniversary of his death, what he all meant to us, what he meant to the industry and the world as well. So let's go back and let the panel do the talking. You can maybe use Facebook if you just stay to the groups, but Facebook is making it very, very hard to do that. Facebook is pushing you towards the stream, the, the, the home stream and the to, to look at other people's content. That's what they're pushing you to. Engaging. You're looking at friends' content yeah. and you look at advertising. That's what you look no, at. Yeah. Or the groups that you're in. Unless no. you're doing unless <laughs> have you're you have on. you checked have you checked the t- the Facebook timeline? They're, they're not just showing your friends' content, they're showing a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, it's not just advertising. I haven't well, seen anything I don't like to say. Okay, well then Warren, you're you're the exception because I, I, look I see, I see, I see tons of stuff, all Facebook. kinds of, I'm all kinds of questions trying to figure out time. what security passwords are. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. As Kelly knows, I work with a lot of old people who, you know, this is how they keep in touch with their family. And it's a good thing. I work with, I, 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 I grew up with an old person who happened to be my parents. This is a way to keep in touch with us and my brothers. Um, you know, uh, that's what we're doing. You know? okay. And, and, and remember, to- remember that. All of this stuff, all of these social media platforms going all the way back to the 90s, for the most part, have have all been free as far as you not paying any money to use them, which means that the money for servers and bandwidth and everything else has to come from somewhere. So that's what Facebook does. That's what AOL did. That's what all of these companies did. And people are willing to pay for a social media service that isn't going to mine their data, that isn't going to take the stuff that they give them and force engagement like all of these social media companies do, then Facebook goes away. And what are we left with? Facebook. Right. And I, the next I, Facebook I would will love be Apple Facebook. to come up and we wanted Apple to come up with something like this and they tried uh, and it failed, but you know, an Apple based you know, social network that's part of your iCloud. Well, the, the last time they, the last time they awesome. tried that, Apple had like less than 5% of the entire marketplace. People and are cheap. And People I think Tried is doing an pay. awful lot of work in that sentence. It was limited to music and right. no. But even no. if Apple made an iCloud-based Facebook, right? And it's been tried. It's been tried with the... Uh, Nextdoor has been tried with LinkedIn in a, in a sense, uh, you know, and LinkedIn is its own thing. But, um, you know, if Apple came up with something that was exactly like Facebook with no advertising and no data collect- collecting, it would be a ghost town because, you know, people are cheap. There's a lot of people who don't have the money to pay for whatever. 
And, you know, the world's big. And, you know, as you said, there's countries that, you know, live on these free apps. And this is why they use Android with these shady apps because, they, you know, they don't have the money to, to spend and they want to keep in touch with their, you know, family and friends. That's been a great conversation. Okay. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> well, before, before, oh, before we go, um, Mark wants to say one more thing, but I also want to get the chat room in here. Um, so um, Webb and Guy have been having a conversation back and forth, but Webb added, um, Reddit did testify before Congress regarding the GameStop stock, stop, GameStop stock trading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he says, for the record, I'm not a Facebook fan, but I'm looking at this from a corporate perspective. And, you know, I, I I guess, Webb, I'm kind of with you. I'm looking at it from the corporate perspective, but also from from the user perspective. And I do think, and this is not going to be popular, folks, but I do feel like there's a bit of responsibility on each of us for not maybe managing ourselves a little bit better and our and our use of some of these uh, some of these platforms, because I, I really do because I don't feel like my Facebook or my no scratch that. I feel like there are places I go on Facebook that are fine. The feed itself is questionable. My Twitter feed is about 85 to 90% clean and free of emotional stuff, unless, you know, one of my friends just happens to pop something off. But, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to those people. I just don't. I avoid it. Mark, you get the last word. Yeah. Okay. I would say that in many ways, I agree with, with Warren that, you know, Facebook does unite people, does help families and others, you know, reach out and connect. Uh, It also does have uh, negative aspects. Uh, I think the reality is that uh, as, uh, as a business, you know, whether you agree with how they've built it or not, they have something that's tremendously powerful that business wants. So I don't see it really going away. I'm not quite sure what Congress might or might not do uh, even even in the worst case, they they do something and Zuckerberg needs to resign. I think whoever will will take it over will uh, will right the ship in many ways and you know keep the thing going forward. So, it, you know, it's sort of like for internet age. You know, again, I think both Guy and Warren have been saying, and you know, is that people don't want to pay money for it; they want it to be free. So, how does it monetize? It's either they show you ads like Google does based on what you search for from which they discern, oh, he must be interested in an XYZ type of product, or they base it on who you know and the stuff that uh, you're interested in, you know, as uh, as you demonstrate to Facebook by your likes and your interaction with other people. So I think in many ways, you know, like it or not, it's it's just a reflection of our own human nature. And it's probably nothing new to say that, uh, interpersonally, I don't think people would be as assholic to each other as they are on Facebook. It's just it's that you know, they're just they're just they're just typing away you know on at a keyboard. So you know they're not seeing the person across the table with them, you know, because uh, and I think again that's a, it's an amplifier of bad behavior as well as good. And anonymity uh, makes people brave, right? And I think with that, uh, I, I'm done. And back to Chuck or anyone else. All right. Well, let's let's move on. I did think that it was important to talk a little bit about this because it's been in the news and it seems like, you know, for the first time or maybe for the second time, there's been some objective proof. Now we're back before Congress. Let's see if it has any effect. But at the end of the day, you know, this this may be one of those things like uh, the financial crisis where certain entities are too big to fail and we'll just have to wait and see. Um. 
I did. I, there was some discussion in the chat room about talking about Steve Jobs, and I, I'm all for that. Um, and I I've kind of want to start that conversation off, though, with Brittany, because a few weeks ago, Brittany really surprised me um, that Steve Jobs, she knew from Pixar, she had never really paid attention to Steve Jobs uh, as as Apple. And I thought that was really interesting because, um, well, she's one or two year younger, years younger than most of the panel here. Um, and so she had a different perspective on it. So, Brittany, from, you know, from where you sit, I mean, now that you've heard us all talking about it, you've probably read a lot of stuff. What do you think of, of Steve Jobs' tenure at Apple? I've heard a lot since. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, people have reminiscing like here and it sounds cool. It, it, he's a founder and a founder is different than a CEO who is not a founder and they're different jobs and pretending like they're the same job is not realistic for anybody involved. Um, but I didn't know him. I mean, I didn't use Apple products when he was CEO. I mean, I, I used them towards the end, I guess, but I didn't follow Apple yet. So yeah, I, I, I don't know how to answer the question, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that, that's fine. I mean, again, it just, it seems so alien to everybody well, except maybe Jay, um, everybody on the show that, you know, yeah, I'm not younger than everybody here. You, you would not have, well, I was saying that because of Jay's other predilections, but we're, we're yes. not going to go there. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> See, now I want to go there. No, go, Brittany, go, go, go. I got, I, I got oh, Brittany, go, Brittany. <laughs> I didn't it's follow Apple when he was a CEO. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there are some interesting stories. Some of them are fun. That's some of them are not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it I've heard a lot well, of great I, stories about a, bun, a bunch of rich people before that. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Steve Jobs was an, an amazing man with the power to say no when everybody else wanted him to say yes. He was a visionary. I'm glad that he was CEO of Apple. I'm glad he had a position of power in tech. And I thank God every day I never had to work for him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I came into Apple um, towards the end of, 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 of his tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, sure. I was, I was a, I was a PC user. I wasn't, I wasn't in the computer industry for most, many of the, most of the nineties. And then I came on board uh, like around 2004 or 2005 is when I actually first, I finally first owned my first Mac. And then, and I haven't left ever since. And that's, that's, and that's what was my, my memory of, 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 well, actually, no, I, I take that back. The iPad, when the iPod came out, that I did have an iPod, so I guess I, I guess I can count that as as as, as some influence of of, uh, of Apple. I always think about it because of Mac. I never really had a Mac, um, but I think the iPod really just blew blew my mind. And 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 when, it's, when Steve Jobs came up on that on that stage when he showed that uh, that first iPod that holds five thousand songs, and that was that was that was an exciting thing that happened when when I saw that. And then after that, it just kept progressing on throughout throughout the years. And um, yeah, he was a very uh, very inspirational guy. But like I agree with Guy, I, all the stories I heard, I, we all heard, heard is to be tough to work for him. I love the I, idea. I can't... Oh, go ahead, Patrice. I'm sorry. Yeah, I came in even later than David, like 2008ish. I want to say. Yeah. Um, honestly, the first memory I have of Steve Jobs is 2010. 
the iPad announcement. That's the first time like I remember him seeing like I had the iPhone before, like in 2008, I want to say, but I didn't connect Apple and Steve Jobs at all. Like, I mean, honestly, here in Europe, Apple wasn't a thing until, yeah, the iPhone, basically. I mean, there were Macs here and there, but like I remember going to going to school, like university and stuff. And that was the first time in 2006, that was the first time I even saw a Mac in my entire life. Never heard of the iPod, never heard of the Mac before. Like that, that's, that's the world I grew up in, like, like David yeah. said, like the PC world. So, so I, I totally want to give props to anybody that can create culture and style and design and can perpetuate that. So by all means, sweet, awesome, great. Um, at the same time, I, I've learned not to put a lot of thought in the people that make the products, but the products themselves, because I think anybody can have a great idea. Um, unfortunately, not anybody can execute on that idea. But at the same time, my entry into Apple was all the people that had money had it. I didn't have money, so I didn't have it. When I got money, I said, I'm going to get it. And I'm a part of that continuation of a problem. But to me, I didn't care who made it. Um, but that said, I mean, he meant a lot to a lot of people. So I, I respect that about him. But at the end of the day, I, I think the things that we create are more important than the people that we are. So, you know, thank you to him for, for making something that gave me drive and ambition. Mm -hmm. um jim you you scolded steve jobs i did jim for you're what? my hero yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for what did you scold steve jobs uh for yelling at my receptionist hmm. fair so um and survived i <laughs> met him a couple of times in 1984 one time was at an Apple sales conference in Hawaii, and that was sort of not really a meeting, but said hello. Um, and so, you know, I came out with my first Mac program in August of 84, uh, which was Overview. Um, and um, so, and it was, I think, the seventh program for the Mac. There weren't wasn't much software for the computer. And... So I guess Steve got his hands on it. So this is a database program. And he didn't like the fact that if you uh, wanted to put a date into it, it wouldn't type the slashes for you automatically. You had to type the slashes. Um, so he was like, that, that sucks. As I'm sure we can all imagine. Um, so he called up our company and I wasn't there. At when he called, so he uh, he he berated Robin who answered the phone. So, and you know, when I got back, she's like, "Who is this Steve Cobb guy? Why, you know, why does he hate us? Why does he hate me?" So, about a month after that, I was working the Apple booth at in Las Vegas for Comdex because back in those days, they, you know, since there were so few little amount of software they used to have us you know do things like that and include us in 
promotions. And so I was, you know, working the booth and uh, he kind of came walking by and he was going to walk past me. And I'm like, oh, I need to talk to you. And he's sort of like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, hey, that wasn't cool. You know, so if you want to if you want to get mad at me, that's fine. And by the way, that feature that you wanted, it already was put in. It's going to be in the, you know, it's in the beta. It'll be out in, in January. But, you know, in the meantime, you know, it's not cool for you to get mad at somebody that had nothing to do with that. And he was just sort of like, oh, well, it should work that way. Yeah. So. Uh, you help make him a better person. I. I no, I don't. Th you know, I, w I was, I was not very impressed. Uh, but I, you know, I. There's a lot of stories later that you know, you know, obviously it was tough to work for, but I also knew some people that that you know, not direct reports, but a couple levels down that did, you know, work with them a lot, and they had good things to say about them, and they're like, yeah, it was tough, but, you know, if you knew what you were, doing and stood your ground. He said, if you're afraid of him, then he would just eat you up. But if you knew, you know, and said, no, you're wrong, he would be like, oh. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, um, yeah. So, but I, I, I'm probably glad that I didn't work for him. But like I say, I, I did meet, you know, I have met a number of people that did work with them and were like, yeah, it was great. That was the best, best thing I ever did. And I'm, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people stayed for a really long time with him. So, I mean, there must be something to that. Like they wouldn't do that if he was really bad. That's yeah, a great I, you know, I, yeah. and I, I think, you know, he clearly was a great, uh, he had a great eye for talent. And he did surround himself with A-level people and and apparently was able to motivate, able to motivate them. So, you know, you see a lot of people that surround themselves with C-level people, so they look good. And he clearly did not do that. Jeff, you said that you have, uh, you have thoughts. Uh, of course I have thoughts. How could I not? I'm talking about Steve Jobs. Uh, Okay. Steve Jobs was no saint. Steve Jobs does not deserve to be deified. Steve Jobs was a horrible person to a lot of people. Yep. He ruined lives. And, uh, and he, I mean, he was a bad man to a lot of people. I would like mm -hmm. to think that later in his life, uh, he, uh, uh, like the Grinch, had a heart that grew three sizes and uh, became a much better person, but I never knew him personally. So I, I can't say. Um, so with that, with that glowing introduction to, uh, to Steve, uh, I will say he was really good at being the visionary and he was really good at finding the right people. Like Jim was saying to put around him, so that he could he could take his vision and make it a reality, and uh, and without that in the beginning, 
then we would not have the Apple we have today. We probably wouldn't have Apple at all. Okay. Um, and I'm glad that we have choice in uh, in major computer platforms because I would just hate to think that there just simply wasn't a choice and you just got whatever was there, which probably wouldn't be Windows. It would be something else. And we maybe we'd be happy with it or maybe not, but I'm glad. You wouldn't know the difference. I would know the difference, yeah. It wouldn't matter if you were or not because you don't have an option otherwise. Right. So I'm glad that, uh, that, that, Steve was able to be part of a movement that created, or, or he was able to be part of, of the technology industry at a time when he could make a difference and the people around him could make a difference. So that part's great, but <laughs> wow. I, uh, Steve and I would have had serious issues working together. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people did. I mean, there's a quote in one of the books from him where he said, where he once admitted that he is simply badly made. And I think that's true. Like as good as he was as a visionary and on tech side, as bad like was the the personal side. Kelly, how about you? Well, we talked about it this morning on TDO, which I'm pointing out because uh, like Brittany, Charlotte Henry over at the Mac Observer was not uh, a a very close Apple watcher at a time. so uh, she sort of came, she mostly was um, observing Apple like professionally or semi-professionally, depending on your assessment of the themacobserver.com. Um, she was like, her assessment comes from the Tim Cook era. And so I uh, had her on and Brian Chaffin because Mac Observer was founded in 1997 and seven, 97. And um so we talked about like what it was like to co- to talk about Apple then and what Apple meant and what sort of cultural impact it had, you know, under Steve versus under Tim. And the difference is pretty dramatic. And part of the reason um, that we wanted to have that conversation was because of those two different aspects of Apple. And there's like for every good story that someone has about Steve, someone else has a story about him being terrible. I mean, there's no question. And if you keep shaking that tree of Steve Jobs stories, you will probably find that more of them are bad than good overall. Like he did not in a whole lot of ways, he did not seem to care a whole lot about other people's assessments of him. And in some ways that worked to his advantage because it made it possible for him to do things like make the iPod a reality and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, the thing I will say uh, I'm going to channel my inner Jay here and kick a, a hornet's nest. Um, because <laughs> Jay, do you need popcorn? Will you be right back? Okay. Um, the thing that, that struck me today be, uh, is that because it's been 10 years, uh, we got like this sort of orchestrated PR campaign. It felt like because we got Johnny Ive in the wall street journal talking about what great friends they were and having lunch with him every day and on and on. And then we got, the little movie that they put up at the top of apple.com that's there. That's a nice thing talking about all these, these nice things about Steve and what a visionary he was and all these. And, and we get, uh, you know, the, the memo that went around internally that everybody knew was going to go public, you know? So of course when Tim wrote it, he sort of had to write it, not just for the audience 
that he sent it to, but for all the rest of us on the outside. And I think that there's a certain amount of that that feels a little bit like we're doing our best to rewrite some of that legacy and make people forget about the story of the, you know, the story about the iPod being too big and the story about, you know, shouting at somebody's receptionist and the story about all these things that, that I think are also part of him. And that's not to say that like what he, that he was good or that he was bad or anything like that. Like I'm not making any value judgments about anybody. That's not for me. I'm it. I do not ever get to be that person. I'm never going to be. So the thing that I think he did that was interesting was democratize a lot of technology that most people did not think was something that they could have in their house initially and then in their pockets. And that's a thing that he did that no one else really ever found a way to do quite as effectively. And what Tim Cook has done with the company going forward, like that's a very interesting conversation for another day. But because he's also been running things for 10 years, that's the other thing that that sort of got lost in all of this narrative is that Apple went from being a company where, um, you know, you had to find somebody who had the link that they could give you so that you could watch the live stream of whatever the Apple event was that was showing you what Mac OS 8 looked like or whatever, to where we are now, where Apple does anything that might be interesting. And all of a sudden it's all over like every network morning chat show, you know, um, all over the country, like everywhere, everybody's totally. talking about whatever it is that Apple did next. And the difference between those two companies is dramatic to me. And that I think is way more interesting. What has happened at Apple as a company way, way more than Steve himself. And if we're all going to have to share Steve's stories, I shook his hand once at an Apple event and that was it. And that's all it was because their booth was across from where the booth was, where I was working at Macworld one time and he happened to go by and, uh, and I said, hello and shook his hand and that was it. And that like was my entire interaction with him. But like, I think that there are, there's been a whole lot of cleanup of his image that has been trying to happen in the last little while. And it's going to all, I mean, you know, people liken him to Walt Disney a lot. And I feel like, you know, the more we find out about Walt Disney, that feels like a pretty apt comparison. Um, so in that, like in life, maybe he was not a shining example of humanity all of the time, which is what everybody wants him to be. And he kind of wasn't. And there you go. So I just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, somebody said, uh, a bunch of people say, if you're managing a, a large group of people and you're not hated by some of them, you're not doing your job because, you know, change is what drives, you know, companies innovation. to do better and innovation and people don't like change, especially the people you're managing because they have to do more work to change. Um and as far as, you know, what Kelly said is, you know, people's images, I mean, everybody, you know, you know, Alex Trebek, you're going to start hearing about things that he might have done in his life. And it's just, you know, you can't think about it. You just got to like, you know, you got to like the person for what they did and what, not what they are and who they were. Um, but my, my feeling about Steve, and I'm going to go on a slight quick rant, but it has to do with Star Wars and Star Trek and the right to repair, because uh, let me go with this. Yeah, I know. I see Chaka. So Steve Jobs 
at one point said he wants the future to be Star Trek. He wants everything to be little portable, solid state communicators. He wants you to talk to computers. Um, he wants everything to basically be disposable and replaceable. You know, when the Enterprise gets destroyed, what happens? They bring out a whole new Enterprise and, and compared that to Star Trek, which is a whole, you know, universe of rusty robots fixing other rusty things and ships. That's that's what he didn't want. So what he brought to the table was this. And what this is, is a thing that's not meant to be repaired. It's not something that Captain Kirk would have said, you know, you know, I need IT support to disassemble this thing, because that's what they had. And that, to me, is the future. The future is, you know, things that maybe could be recycled that are very portable or very intuitive, and, and, and you don't have to worry about how it works. And that's what Steve wanted. Okay. Congratulations. I had no idea how you were going to bring that one back, and you did. I wasn't sure if I could pull it off. That, that was good. Yeah. That was good. Thanks. Mark, you're kind of quiet, and you you are in business in Silicon Valley. And so you have to have some thoughts on Steve from a lot of different angles, I would think. Well, I've I've known people who have had personal business dealings with him and you know, stories that I don't you know think should be aired in this forum. Um, but just looking at him, I had uh, I guess a combination of you know good sense of being born in the right year that you know he was teed up you know, to sort of you know, be one of the co-founders of the personal computer revolution, certainly you know, bringing desktop publishing into uh, the masses, you have to give him credit for. Uh, you know, then fast forward, you know, a uh, couple years, iPod, you know, digital music in your pocket, uh, you know, uh, digital photography, uh, although they may not have created that trend, you know, certainly they made the Mac the center of a lot of digital hubs for you know, photography and then video, um, then the phone, which is really a computer in your pocket, you know, called a phone, which just is still 14 years later, I think, you know, the biggest head fake uh, ever. Uh, you know, you, you created tablets, uh, you changed the way you know, music is sold and uh, distributed and you know, saved uh, you know, the music industry from bankruptcy, from piracy. So uh, he's, 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 he's created, he's, he's done a lot, um, but you know, he's, he has his flaws. And over time, people forget all the, forget all the uh, bad stories and things. And they just tend to focus on, you know, what uh, somebody achieved, you know, and, uh, and, ultimately what their lasting uh, contributions are to uh, to our world and universe. I mean, I'm sure if you go back, Andrew Carnegie had a lot of, you know, bad points, although I don't know what they were. And I'm sure Thomas Edison had a lot of bad points, although I don't know what they were, but when people oh. look back in time, they uh, go get your lunch. Yeah, I can they, fill yeah. you in on Thomas Edison. See, that's what I mean. <laughs> you know, over time, uh, you know, uh, people yelled at Jim secretary too. Uh, what people have contributed. So, um, you know, certainly in the Valley, you know, there's, there's a whole sorts of other industries that uh, uh, either he may not have developed, but uh, he certainly was pioneering a lot of uh, new things. And, you know, certainly it, he, he and, uh, uh, you know, what was it, Mansfield, Bob Mansfield, Chuck Mansfield, you know, they, they really made a dramatic turn in terms of how consumer devices are constructed. While everybody and all the Harvard MBAs and everything out there was saying componentization and commoditization and blah, 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 blah. 
you know, these guys had the deep insight that no, if you make everything on a single die, uh, you know, it can get faster and less expensive and capture huge margins and you can make better products. So, you know, you know, it's been quite a while, I think, since we've heard about, you know, the the holy God, Clay Christensen and his disruption theory, because I think uh, clearly Apple showed that uh, it's not a universal theory that applies uh, across uh, the entire universe. And, and they've certainly revolutionized, and you can see it now. You know, ultimate tribute, right? You know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Microsoft, with their Surface, is uh, is imitation is flattering, just like they did when they stole the interface to to the Mac for you know some of the original products. So, yeah, it's been ten years. Uh, I don't think anyone you know cries uh, uncontrollably anymore that he's gone. Uh, you know, the whole universe has seen that Apple can flourish without him. So. Now it's just a matter of, okay, it's uh, October 5th. It's an anniversary date. Uh, let's move forward. The Mac Voices panel will be back in the next edition of Mac Voices. To finish up this conversation, we have more about the impact of Steve Jobs 10 years after his death. And we also have a discussion of a number of security measures and tips and tricks that can hopefully make your cybersecurity awareness month of October a little bit better. That's next time on Mac Voices. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.